All right. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to LCC. My name is Brett Machat. I'm the worship and young adults pastor around these parts, and I have a confession to make. Last week, I announced something. I didn't really explain it. People were like, we have to bring Bibles and water bottles for what? They were very confused. So I'm here to talk about it again. We want you guys to bring bottled water, not like a refillable water bottle, bottled water and Bibles. We're collecting them at our mission wall, which is right on the other side of this wall. And the reason why we're doing that is because somebody and some people in our congregation have a heart for some apartment complexes that are close to their homes, and they want to not only share the good news of the gospel, but they also want to meet their physical needs with some water. So that is why we're asking you to do that. So bottled water, Bibles, bring them. Another announcement, something I'm excited to tell you guys about, is that after the service today, we've got two things, two things. We've got something called Intro to Serving, which is going to be amazing. It's going to be over in the youth area. Monica's going to be leading it. I'm going to be there. If you are new here, maybe since COVID, maybe like new this week, I don't know. I, I recognize a lot of people. If you're new and you're not serving somewhere, this is the meeting for you. Trust me. Isn't serving on a team like so much fun, guys? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Let's try that again. Isn't it so much fun? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. Like, come on, guys. we got to sell it. Okay. <laughs> Should have talked about that beforehand. Um, but it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great meeting. We'll see you there. And then also after the service, it's the first Sunday of the month, which you know what that means. First Sunday lunch is happening. And the weather is nice enough. We are going to have it outside. What? What? I'm really excited for that because I don't like the cold. So what that means is if you didn't bring a lunch, that's okay. Drive out, pick up something, come back. It is a great time and opportunity for you to get to know other people or just spend some time with people that you haven't seen in a while. So we hope to see you at our first Sunday lunch. Those are the announcements this morning. Uh, but before we get started with worship, I, don't, I want to acknowledge that the band looks a little bit different, doesn't it? We usually don't sit like this. We usually don't sit uh, in a circle. Uh, and... I set this up and I thought to myself, you know, when the pandemic started, it was, it was kind of cool for some of us for a couple of weeks to sit in our living room and watch the service online. Now, I'll be honest, after a couple of weeks, I thought it got kind of boring because nothing beats being here. But we wanted to kind of relive that experience of worship in your living room. So I'm actually not going to invite you guys to stand. If you want to stand, you can, but we're going to stay seated. And the worship is going to be a little bit stripped back instrumentally. Uh, but I'm going to ask you guys to raise up your voices, clap your hands, because we've got a couple of songs that explain the good news of the gospel. If you've never been to church or you've never been here, then whew, these are some songs that will teach you exactly what we're all about here. All right? You guys ready to sing? Okay, let's sing For God So Loved Together. Here we go. One. God, may that continue to be our prayer this morning. God, what a privilege pleasure it is to be here in your presence and God that you that we are your temples God that you dwell in us what a miracle that is in and of itself God we ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning that we would bend our hearts and worship to you to hear what you have for us this morning these things in Jesus' name. Hey, it's been great worshiping with you guys so far this morning. I want to invite all of our kids in the room to stand up. It has been so good being with you kids, but it is time for you to head out to kids' life. So look over at our exit signs over here and over here. You should see some familiar faces. Kids, have a good time in kids' life. Adults, you have to stay, okay? <laughs> stay here. So good to be here with you today. If you're, if you're new, welcome. I'm Dan. I'm the lead pastor here, and I want to introduce you. Uh, for those of you who don't know, this is Mike and Sandy Miller, and they are headed out of the country, right, in a week from Thursday, and headed to? We're going to the Philippines. The Philippines. And the Philippines, if, in case you don't know, north of Australia by Indonesia, South of China, Taiwan, right? That's right. Okay, that's about all I know. <laughs> so I did look it on a map because I wanted to know what I was talking about today. So 
tell us, uh, first of all, like, why are you going and what are you going to be doing there? This is not your first time, by the way. No, right? actually, this is, I think, our fifth time mm -hmm. going. Um, we work with a, with a church uh, about an hour outside of Manila. And um, when we first started going to the Philippines, it was just this church. And we worked with this one pastor named Pastor Mar Marlon. And now that church has, what, five ch church plants um, that it's spread out to. So th now there's like five pastors that we work with. <laughs> five, pa five pastors that we work with now. Um, so um, basically what we do is we go in every year or every other year and we have a medical team and um, we're kind of, we just work with those local pastors and we set up medical clinics uh, for the community. And it, the idea is to bring in people from the community and then the pastors in their church do an evangelistic outreach to them. So it's not just about medicine it's, it's actually the medicine Christ. is the minor part of the thing yeah the big thing is the outreach yeah yeah what's it like in the philippines like what's the time difference in the philippines anyway dude? it's like 12 hours oh i mean it's it's a flop yeah so this is gonna yeah. be a disruption to your life yeah yeah it's ways. it's fine is it hot is it nice there right yeah now? yeah it's gonna be nice okay. there's okay. I'm trying the, to, trying there to are the palm trees yes so, there okay. are palm trees and mangoes yeah. so yeah Okay, so uh, there's a lot that's happened in our world. Traveling even right now is a challenge, but what, what, what are th things we can be praying for? What are you concerned about as you go? It's going to look a little different this year. Um, we're not going to have probably as many you know, patients and the waiting and the lines um, because of COVID. It's still, it's the, um, it, the, uh, we, it just lifted for us to be able to even go there. So I know they're a little bit lagging with us, behind us. So um, we're, we're, we're super excited that we get to go. And Pastor Marlon is super excited. He just wants us to go everywhere and visit every church. And so we're, we're really happy about that. Um, I'm a little worried, to be honest, about, like, I, I don't want to get stuck there. So, you know, they're going to do everything they can to protect us. We're going to have, you know, masks and shields and, you know, the whole, all of the protocols that you would follow. But, you know, there's a tiny bit of part of me that's like, I just need to come back at the end of the, not get COVID and have to like, have to stay there. So I know that's kind of, that feels insignificant, but to me, that's the one thing that I'm praying and just asking God that he would um, keep us safe um, while we minister to the people there. That's yeah. awesome. Okay. I'm going to pray for you. This is not the first time these guys have done mission, as they shared, to Philippines. These guys went, was it in China? How long were we in China? For a while, right? Yeah, almost four years in China. Four years We've in also China. done some other the trips. mission is just yeah. on their heart, and it's a part of who they are. So um, let's pray together. Would you just join me, and let's, let's, just, let's just seek God together about this upcoming trip. God, what, a, what an opportunity, and what a thought that the gospel, um, you know, we're, we're so... Uh, just focused on what's happening here, but the gospel is moving in all areas of the world and in the Philippines too, and you've done so much in the time that Mike and Sandy have actually gone. Um, you've gone now several times. Uh, we want to pray for them, God, that you would um, provide what they need on this trip. As they go out, uh, I pray you'd watch over them, um, protect them, um, help them to get to the Philippines, um, use them in powerful ways to share uh, Christ with others there and, and just love on others and care for them. And God, just as, as to what Sandy said, I just ask that you would bring them home safely. There would be no problems with, with COVID or, or restrictions or anything like that. Um, and, and you will write a story on this trip uh, and new stories, new relationships, God. And we ask you to do it and move powerfully and, and just further the gospel through them. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. One more thing. That's so exciting. One more thing uh, we want to do today. Um, in fact, our elder team, if you guys want to come on up, those of you who are here, I think most of you are here. Um, I want to talk a little bit. I don't know if you know this around here. Maybe this is new to you, but we are elder-led around here. Um, we have a group, a team right now of seven elders um, and these are them. I'll introduce you to them in a second. Um, you can go wherever you want. You know. <clears throat> these guys um, are faithful men, and they have they are serving, have served, and will serve. I know they will. Well, and today we're, there's a, we're going to bring a couple more people on the team, and one is moving off the team, and that's just how things go. 
we, in our bylaws, okay, and this is, not, this is not the Bible here saying you have to have between four and seven elders, but that's kind of something when we started this church, we said we're always going to have between four and seven elders. And so we've kind of gone in different numbers and uh, just listened to God on that. But we'll have seven after this, and um, so we're going to have two of them gone. So we want to pray, pray for them today to um, let me give you a little bit, just a little history, a little just overview of what elders are. Okay, this may be new to you, but in, in the Word, in First Peter chapter 5, it talks about what, uh, the role of an elder and what an elder does. It says, be shepherds to the, to the elders among you. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. It goes on to say, even in First Timothy, that an elder is, is, is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Okay, let's talk about that a second, because that's not, <laughs> that's not a, you have to be perfect, okay? It's a, this is the, the qualities of this kind of a person. Uh, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, manages his family well, not new to knowing Jesus, he has a good reputation with outsiders. That's part of what the Bible says about what the qualifications of, of an elder are. Um, so our elders, they oversee, and part of how they oversee is they, they oversee our coaches, our, I'm sorry, they coach our cell leaders, and that's how they stay connected to to leaders, to groups, and ultimately to all of us. And they care about you. They pray for you. Um, we want to see everyone here grow, know Jesus, and grow in him. So um, let, me, let me, real quick, this is dangerous, giving the mic for so long. Okay, just say your name real quick, and then I'm going to ha- introduce the new. You can, you can okay, play. hi, I'm Dan Nellis. Okay. Go ahead. Clay Davis. Mike Miller. Dave Matheny. Steve Zeidner. JR. Terry Artrip. <laughs> JR. I like that. Okay. Um, so, Steve and Dave, take a step forward. <laughs> okay, so Steve and Dave are coming on the elder team, okay? I'm really excited. These guys, we've watched them around here, their hearts, and just how they've developed and how they've served, and um, we're so excited. So, I, I'm going to ask you a couple questions because you're not going to get away with just a name here. So tell us a little bit about your family, okay, and also how long you've known Jesus, how long you've been at LCC, and maybe something you like to do. Okay. Um, you can ask me if you forget the list. Go ahead. I, I, I probably will forget. Okay. So as I said, I'm Dave. I'm married to Johanna. Uh, she's sitting over here. And I uh, have three kids, uh, Max, Hope, and Camden. Um, I think Max is in here top and Camden's over here and hope serving in kids life today uh I've actually been at LCC for like 23 years which makes me feel really old if I'm honest oh I appreciate that (laughs) awesome um and uh I've been a follower of Jesus for most of my life Uh, accepted him as as a child and then rededicated my life in middle school um to him and, and have been doing my best to, to follow him devotedly ever since. Um, as far as things I like to do, a little bit of everything, right? I think it changes sometimes based on the season. Like last year, I kind of got into wood burning and things like that. So, but it changes. So, you're up. All right. Thanks. Um, my family, uh, a couple of them are sitting up here. My wife, Lee, you've seen her up front. She's a creative director here. Um, my daughter Ada and son Asher, she's shrinking down in her seat right now, Ada is. Um, they put up with my dad jokes and put up with me. Um, let's see, we've been coming to LCC for I think nine years, um, which I can usually tell because Ada is was six months old when we started coming here, so I kind of gauge it by that time frame. I came to know the Lord when I was five, I believe, um, so young as well, um, but was baptized in high school and kind of like, I think, started my journey, I guess, then, um, but just have really loved the Lord and really love um, what I've learned here at LCC. And um, 
I guess, yeah, as far as things that I like to do, well, we made syrup this weekend, maple syrup. So tapping maple trees, and it's just basically boiling a lot of sap. But that's a lot of fun, a lot of, something we can do as a family. So My life is boring. I don't tap, <laughs> tap maple trees. That's exciting. Um, these guys are, are, I want you to know them, so come up and meet them and be praying for all these guys on the stage. And if you guys, honestly, if there's things that come up in your life and you want someone to pray for you or you just want to process stuff with people, these guys are here to shepherd, to oversee, and to care for for this body. So um, let me uh, highlight one more person. So Dan, would you just take a step forward? Just one step. Just want to distinguish. Yeah, okay. So Dan has been an elder a couple times now at LCC, and he's finishing his time this on this rotation here. And I would just want to tell you, this guy has been so extremely faithful in all that we've walked through the last several years, and it's been a lot of stuff. He has served. He has given his time. Um, he's, <laughs> he's pursued uh, things in this body that need to happen. He's pursued me. And he just, he loves this body. And he's just been such an example of an elder. I mean, to all of us, too. So we are going to miss you like crazy. I'm trying to try to keep hold together here. But um, so Dan is going to, do we have the mic here? I'll take the mic. I want to ask you to share those things. But would you, Dan's going to, if we can gather around these guys, we're going to just pray for them as they jump on a team together, if you put a hand on them. And, uh, and I thought it would be appropriate for Dan to, to pray for you guys as you come on. All right, let's pray. God, it's a, it's a privilege to be a part of what you're doing in this world and to be able to um, be in a position to serve um, this body, God. It's, um, it's a joy. I pray for um, our staff. I pray for our elders. I pray for, um, for Dave and Steve as they're uh, jumping on board. Um, that, that first of all, God, that their, their love for you would grow, um, that they would wake each morning remembering um, how much you love them, um, that they would wake each morning um, ready to jump on board of what you're doing, God, that they would catch your vision for this body, um, that they would serve it faithfully, um, that they would be encouraged in the challenges of it, God, that they would find strength when they're feeling weak, God, um, that they would find joy, God, um, and seeing hearts turn to you. So I just pray for these guys. I pray for them. I pray for their families. Um, I pray for this body, God. Um, you love us. Um, help us um, to be faithful to what you've called us to do. We pray through your son. Amen. The book of 1 Thessalonians was written by Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to a church of faithful believers awaiting the return of Jesus. At Life Community Church, we talk a good deal about the full story of God's work as revealed in four chapters. Chapter 1 is the story of creation. It tells us about the world that ought to be, the world the way God made it to be. Chapter 2 is the fallen world of sin. This is the world the way that it is with all of the brokenness. The third chapter is called Redemption. In this chapter, we find that Jesus' victory on the cross, as well as the gift of the Holy Spirit, enables us to take the brokenness of the world that is and make beautiful things from it. It's the world that can be. And finally, the fourth chapter is called Recreation, or sometimes Consummation. This is the chapter that we haven't lived yet. It's the coming promise of God's full and final victory over sin's power and penalty. We may think of it as heaven or paradise, but it includes a lot of coming activity of Jesus to fully realize all of God's work. We describe this last chapter as the world that will be, and we look to it with the eyes of faith, trusting that God will make everything right. And the book of 1 Thessalonians is focused on that fourth chapter. They believed that Jesus would appear, and they lived in anticipation of it. But what should they be doing in the meantime? What does God's work look like when trouble and persecution is all around you? But you have a promise from God that he's coming to end the struggle. How much concern do I take for my material needs or the material needs of those around me and those who could possibly come after me if Jesus will return soon to begin his new kingdom? These may sound like silly questions to those of us living with 2,000 years of history between us and them. 
But today, we live with the very same promises of God and much of the same trouble. Is Jesus really going to return? Am I destined to just endure all these trials and trouble with no end in sight? What does God want from me in the midst of all the challenges? In this series, we're taking a look back at the words of Paul to the believers in Thessalonica to answer these questions and more. How do we live in confident faith that Jesus will return while staying active in the work of God in the day-to-day? This is the book of 1 Thessalonians, or a study in urgently waiting. Good morning. I hadn't seen that before, so that's cool. (laughs) So my name is Scott, and I serve on the teaching team here and uh, have the privilege of sharing God's word with you today. We're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Got to get my diction in place. Um, So you can turn there in a Bible if you want to. We'll be showing it on screen and stuff as we walk through it as well. But I want to begin by asking you a question. Have you ever said to yourself, or maybe you've heard someone say, if God would just clearly show me his will, I'd do it. Like, you know, if he would write it in big, bold letters on a wall, I would do it, right? And we often say that in frustration because we run into so many specific areas of our lives where we'd really like God to say, do this, go this direction, and yet we don't get a clear idea. Like, you know, where should I go to school? Or what should I major in? And who should I date? And who should I marry? And who should I not? And what do I do with these kids I'm raising? I don't know what to do with them. And so we get frustrated because we're like, God, would you just show me clearly and I'll do it? Right? And so I want to ask you this morning, if God would write his will in big, bold letters on a wall, will you pursue it? Okay? Think carefully because you never know when this kind of thing might happen. Okay? So, just quick, a show of hands. I will pursue God's will if He writes it in big, bold letters on a wall. Come on, chickens. <laughs> okay, we see those hands. Commitment noted. So, um, today, we're going to, like the video is saying, continuing our journey through. First Thessalonians, the church in Thessalonica. It's really cool to be in Thessalonica. I got to be there uh, one week while I lived in Romania, or yeah, I was living in Romania, but we vacationed in Thessaloniki and to walk right alongside the floor, the uh, streets that the Apostle Paul walked on was really cool. But, um, but this far in the letter, Paul um, has just covered a number of themes with the Thessalonians and just kind of to review them quickly. He's given them praise for how faithful they've been in living out the gospel, how they've presented um, such a good image of Jesus in front of believers and unbelievers. He's talked about how much he personally enjoyed living life with them and showing them the ways of Jesus. Um, he talks frequently about how he misses them. We see the real human heart of Paul when he talks about the Thessalonians. And through all of this has been sprinkled this idea that the Thessalonians are eagerly awaiting Jesus to come back to complete their salvation. So you see, Paul is like super pleased with these guys. He's like super proud of them and the way they're living for Jesus. Now, where we pick up today in chapter 4 doesn't really change that tone But it does turn a corner. It turns a corner to say, you're doing great, but God is not finished with you, not yet. There's more that Jesus wants to do in your lives, and so Paul is going to start outlining that, what looks like more. And so I want us to start reading at verse 1, where it says, finally then, brothers and sisters... We ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Stop just a moment. 
do you see some big letters written on a wall? (laughs) For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Where are those hands? You see, I told you that none of this stuff, you you never know when this stuff's going to show up on the wall, right? You just don't know. Well, you're committed now, right? So we're going to dig into this. And the first question we're going to ask is, what is this word sanctification? It's a big fancy word, but we're going to cut it down. It's a 14-letter word, 13 letters in Spanish if I counted, right? Is that right? Yeah. We're going to cut it down to a four-letter word, not one of those four-letter words. (laughs) But we're going to cut it down to a four-letter word, five actually in Spanish, holy. Sanctification is simply a word that describes the idea of becoming holy. Okay, then what does it mean to be holy? Now, I have found there's a lot of messed up ideas out there about what holy is because we might be coming to mind, well, holier than thou. Nobody wants to hang out with that, right? Um, we might be thinking, well, they're, you know, a real kind of stiff, starch, stick-in-the-mud kind of person. We might be thinking, well, they're the judgmental ones. They're the legalistic ones. They're the ones who are trying so hard to be perfect that you just can't stand to be around them. It's, it's, you know, holy. That's a bar that's set so high that nobody could ever think to reach that. You see, all of this distorted thinking about what it means to be holy. Now, I had the opportunity to go to seminary a long time ago, because I'm old, and took several courses in seminary on this word sanctification, holiness, and studied and read more pages than you'd ever want to count, but it's really pretty simple. To be sanctified means to be set apart for a purpose, to be set aside for the use that was intended by the designer. For example, some kind person set aside this clicker. I'm not using it. I'm using the iPad. But somebody set this fine clicker apart, set it aside on the table this morning so that some person could use it to advance the slides, which I'm not doing. So in a sense, the person who set this aside, set it apart to be used for its intended purpose, sanctified it. Okay, you with me? Now, I am still free to use this clicker for any purpose that I choose. And so I could sling it across the room right now and ping you in the head because I just saw you nodding off. But that wouldn't be sanctified. (laughs) That would be something else. Um, Now, the second way to think about sanctification is to be restored to wholeness. To be restored to wholeness. The word, the root word holy and whole, W-H-O-L-E, actually come from the same root word. And so to become holy, to become sanctified, can in a very real sense mean to become whole. It carries this sense of taking something that was broken and restoring it back to the way it was designed to be. And you see, restoring people back to the way we were designed to be really is the whole story of the Bible. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, the Bible says that God created human beings. He said, let's create them in my image. And so we were created that way. We were created to perfectly reflect the character of God in all of his fullness, his love, his goodness, his grace, his mercy, his purity, and yes, his holiness. And so Adam and Eve were created, and they did a great job of doing that, carrying the image, reflecting God for about five minutes. Well, it might have been five hours. The Bible's not really clear on the timing of it. But 
Maybe you know the story then in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, the serpent comes to them and tempts them with this fruit of some kind and says, if you eat this, you'll be like God. Not thinking that they had already been made in the image of God. And so they took the fruit, they took their own way, and that image of God was broken. It was messed up, and it's been messed up in all of our lives ever since. The image of God is broken in every one of us. But you see, God, our creator, our designer, he never has forgotten about the purpose for which he created us. And this is where the idea of sanctification or holiness comes in. Sanctification really is God's vision for us where he's remembering the purpose for which he created us. He said, I have trans- I've created you to become uncommonly whole, distinctly different, transformed and restored back to my image. You see, he wants to bring back that reflection of all that is God. He takes all that is thoroughly messed up in every human being and he says, I'm going to restore that to my image. So in a very real sense, when God says that his will for us is our sanctification, he's really saying, I want you to become whole in my original design for you. I want you to lean into and live into the purpose for which I created you. I want you to know how sweet it is to be an image bearer and to reflect the beauty and grace of God. And so I hope that you can feel encouraged today in that vision. God has a great vision for us. He has a great purpose for us. I don't care how messy you think your life is right now. God has a great vision. He has a great purpose for you and for me. We can be made whole. We can be made holy again. So have you ever had this type of conversation? You're going along and you're talking to a friend and you're just talking, talking, talking and the conversation's flowing. You're talking about, you know, the Major League Baseball season is delayed because some kind of bargaining agreement. I don't know. I don't like baseball. I read it in a headline. So, or you're talking, you know, with, about your favorite scrapbooking tax techniques. I don't talk about that either. Um, but your conversation is flowing along, and, and all of a sudden, this person you're talking to just throws something in from left field. And it doesn't seem to connect, and it doesn't seem to match. Like, you know, you're talking along, and all of a sudden, your friend is saying, you know, I'm really disappointed that they didn't put uh, Hawaii and Alaska closer together because I'd really like to live in both places and be able to canoe back and forth whenever I wanted. And you're going, wait, what in the world just happened? Where did that come from? Well, we might get a similar sense as we read the rest of chapter 3 or verse 3. So let's read it together. For it says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. Wait, what in the world just happened? How do we go from this idea of God restoring us to our original design, repairing our brokenness, making us whole again, and now he's jumping into this highly sensitive, personal, private issue, we consider it, of sexual immorality in the same sentence? Why in the world does Paul 
link these two subjects so closely together? Well, first century Greek and Roman culture is what we're dealing with here. And these cultures were extremely broken in terms of human sexuality. Practices of physical lust, sexual permissiveness were just rampant all over the place. Culturally, it was just a very normal part of life. If you had some needs, it was normal to go to the local temple and the prostitutes were there and that's what they were there for. It was normal. And so Paul knew that 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 culture permeated by sexuality was pressuring and impacting the Thessalonians all the time. And so he brings up this subject because he knows that. He knows that some of them, maybe all of them, came out of that culture when they accepted Jesus, and they've turned away from that, but they're still getting the pressure. Do you know any other cultures where it's highly sexualized and we're pressured by it all the time by media and other sources? The other reason that I think Paul may have linked these close together is because, and and I have learned this from my own experience, nothing damages the image of God in us quite like sexual sin does. Nothing breaks the image of God, the person that we were created to be, quite like broken sexuality does. I don't really know how to explain it other than to say that sexuality seems to be deeply rooted in our personhood And thus to misuse it brings great harm to the deepest part of who we are. And so when you think about it like that, it makes perfect sense that God would talk about sanctification and restoring the image of God and making us whole and immediately link it to sexuality. Now, before we go any further, I think it's important to say a couple of things. In a religious context like this, I want to say up front that sexual, our sexuality is a very good thing. God created us as sexual beings. It was his idea from the beginning. And God thinks that sex is really good in the right context. You see, it was created by God as a gift to humans, not only for procreation, but also for deep communication and emotional bonding. Second thing I want to say And this is especially important in a religious context like this where often this subject is talked about in harsh, judgmental ways. Is that the topic of sexual immorality applies equally to all of us. You see, there is not one person who is hearing this message either today online, later listening on YouTube, not one person hearing the message who is not vulnerable to this issue in some way, shape, or form. Those of you who know my story know that I struggled for 15 years with a hidden addiction to pornography. And as I began to unpack that in my recovery, understanding that there was a lot of sexual brokenness behind that. Now, I understand not all of you carry my weakness, praise God. But we all carry a vulnerability of some kind in this area. We live in a sex-saturated culture, a permissive culture, and 
And so we're all on equal footing here, and I want to say right up front, there will be no room for a judgmental spirit. This is the place for us to speak in humility. Humility with each other about a very personal, sensitive topic. Now, with that said, I want to make a, a few just short observations about the text itself. First question is, what exactly does Paul mean here by the words sexual immorality? Well, we back up to, to what it says, the original Greek word, and we find that the word is porneia. And porneia is a very broad general term that refers to any sexual activity outside of marriage between one woman and one man. Now, we're not going to get any more granular than that in this, in this area, in this setting, but we just need to understand that that's what Paul is talking about. It's a very broad bucket, and any sexual activity, you fill in your blank, any sexual activity outside of marriage between one woman and one man, that's what he's talking about. Second observation that Paul um, is talking about here is that it's about behavior, not attraction. In verse 3, Paul, um, he uses this word abstain from sexual immorality. The word abstain is a present active verb. It's something that we choose to do on an ongoing basis. You see, in, in this passage, it's not talking about our particular attractions, our particular weaknesses, the particular temptations that we find troubling. No, it's talking about what we do with those attractions and weaknesses and temptations. The doing is where the sin is. The doing or not doing is where holiness is made or broken. Third observation in verse 4 is that there's this control over our bodies. Paul clearly states that each of us, when we are in relationship with Jesus has the ability to know how to control his or her own body. Now, let's speak honestly. Our physical and emotional desires can feel very powerful at some times, right? Very persuasive. And our culture in general tells us that we should do whatever feels good, whatever our attractions all there are, that we should just do those. Be ourselves, be who you are. But the Bible says that our sexuality is not beyond our ability to control. In fact, as Christ followers, we have the Holy Spirit living in us and if we go to Galatians 5, where it lists the fruit of the Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc., nine of them, the last one is what? Self-control. And also in Galatians 5, where it says, if we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Through Christ, through the Holy Spirit who lives in us, even our physical bodies and the emotional desires behind them can be brought into submission and control. And finally, Paul tells us that sexual immorality is not a private issue. We wish it was a private issue, but it's not. Verse 6 says that no one transgress and wrong his brother or sister in this matter of sexual immorality. You see, sexual sin never just affects me. It always has ripple effects in the community, in the relationships around our lives. At minimum, it is going to be a spouse or a partner, if that's where you're involved. My sexual immorality 
even though I convinced myself, well, I was just hurting myself. I'm not only hurting anybody else and just hurting myself. No. Now, it's been forgiven, and God has helped me to walk in freedom for a number of years by his grace one day at a time. But it still has ripple effects in my family. You know, my wife and my first wife and I have divorced over this issue, and so we have all of those awkward dynamics of a divorced family that go on from time to time. People who looked up to me followed my leadership when I was a pastor, when I was a missionary. They were hurt. They were disappointed. And so there's no room for this telling ourselves, well, I'm only hurting myself with what I'm doing. No, it unavoidably hurts the people around us. So, I realize there's a lot to think about and process here. And we'd rather not think about it, and we'd rather not talk about it. You see, because we're broken people, we live in a broken society, that brokenness has affected many of us who are hearing this message today. As I said, no one, I said it earlier, no one is exempt from this vulnerability. And I know, I am hypersensitive today that there are multiple people hearing me who either have committed acts of sexual immorality in the past and you're carrying guilt. You are committing those acts right now as we speak going on today, or you've been impacted as a victim of someone's sexual misdeeds. But here's the thing. No matter how, I'll use this word because we think it, no matter how trashy you or I may feel about the sexually immature, impure stuff that either has gone on, is going on right now, or happened to us. God has a great vision and a great purpose for you. God does not throw us in the trash can over this issue. In verse 7, Paul comes back to God's long-term vision for us. And where he writes, for God did not call us for impurity, but in holiness. Yes, this issue requires a turning away. Turning away from impure behaviors that either occurred in the past, they're occurring today, they happen to you. There's a turning away that happens because God didn't call us for this stuff. It's not his plan. It's not his design. God didn't call us for that. What did he call us to? When we turn away, what are we turning to? We're turning to God. We're turning to that vision that he has for us to be holy people, image bearers, reflectors of him and his character. Look what God has waiting for us. It's not condemnation. Rather, it's a vision that you and I would be made whole, that we would be restored to who we were created to be. You see, God always sees what we can be. He's eager to restore us to that beautiful, handsome, reflector, image-bearer of the great God. He loves us. He's given us his own son. He's given the Holy Spirit to live within us to make it possible that we would move towards that image, move towards that person that God designed us to be. And that's where I want to leave us today. Yes, there is a required turning away. But we are turning towards a God who loves us, a God who welcomes us, 
and a God who offers to restore us to his image, to who we were designed to be. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and for your grace. God, we thank you that you have never lost sight of the vision for which you created us, the design and the purpose that you placed in us. We thank you so much for that. And God, we thank you that you do not abandon us when we're broken and when we've gone off the track no matter how far off the track we've gone, you never abandon us, but you're always there waiting and inviting us to turn back. And so, Father, I pray that your spirit would be very close and ministering to us today. We've talked about a hard subject, and it's sensitive, and it's painful, and it's personal. But this is where you are, and you meet us there, and you have a vision for us to be holy people. We invite you. You've stated your will. We saw it on the wall. Jesus, help us to pursue it with all that we are. Amen. Oh, Holy Spirit, thank you so much for speaking to us this morning through worship and the study of your word. We ask that you empower us to be your witnesses, to be your image bearers as we go forth into the world. Amen. Amen. Like, just all that. Like, I'm sitting back there thinking, like in groups this week, and as you walk alongside other people, and as Scott talked about, like we, we keep look to, looking and turning back to him. And even this song, like this song, like the verses of this song are just, Here's what I was thinking. Sorry, short. This is what I'm up here to do. I'm going to give you announcements in a second. But before that, you get this because they gave me the mic. Like, this song's called Holy Spirit. I would just go look up those words. Sometimes when you just sit and read, like, you need reminders of how good he is and what he's really like. And, and then I, what I started to say a minute ago was, like, sometimes the people that you're doing life with just need you to tell them that, too. Like, like I always say, people around me know I say this phrase, I'm a leaky bucket. Like, things leak out, and I just need somebody to speak back in what's true. Okay? So do that for each other this week and, and in group. Um, okay. What I'm actually supposed to tell you about is a reminder that Brett talked at the beginning about we're collecting bottled water, and that can be uh, dropped off over at the Mission Wall, which is right out here. In just a second, we're going to eat lunch together, so don't go anywhere unless it's to grab some lunch and come right back. We've got tables set up outside. It is beautiful outside. The sun is out, or at least it was a second ago. Um, and just stay and hang out. It's just a chance to just talk, get to know somebody, eat some lunch, okay? Um, and last but not least, uh, intro to serving is going to happen in like five minutes in the youth area. If you don't know where that is, if you just go out these doors and keep turning left, you'll, you'll get there. Um, Monica's going to walk us through what does it look like to serve around here. And if you're like, I would like to serve, or maybe I'm already serving, I don't know if I want to keep doing that job, so tell me about something new. Any, any of those options. Come, come join us for intro to serving, okay? It's good to see your faces, and we'll see you later.